0: Uh, So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and grab them and turn to Mark chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 32 there. Um, The reason Brett talks about we want you to have your Bible, whether it's on your screen or a hard copy in front of you every week, is so you see that what we're saying isn't just our own crazy idea, that it's what the Word of God says and teaches. So if you don't have one, uh, there are plenty at the back that you can go grab. Um, So if you don't have one, go grab one of those. So my name is Kai. Um, a lot of you don't really know me. You kind of see me around, but I'm a pastoral intern here at FPG. What's up, buddy? Um, and I work at our Liberty Hill campus a lot. So I'm here on Wednesdays, and yeah, here on Wednesdays I'm at the different events, and then on Sundays I'm out at the Liberty Hill campus with our Liberty Hill students, which are somewhere over there, like they always are. Um, it's been an incredible opportunity to serve uh, you guys and work with them. And I just want to say thank you to Brett, um, somewhere in the back, for giving me this opportunity to preach. I'm very thankful for it. So how many of you guys watched March Madness this year? You can raise your hands. It's okay. I know we're not. yeah, right? So if some of you are probably like, what the heck is March Madness? Uh, so March Madness is a giant college basketball tournament that takes place every, guess when, March, good, yeah, hence the name March Madness. Um, But that's my favorite sporting event of the year. I love all the upsets and the mismatches and all the great games. Um, And this year, as I was watching, there was a commercial that I saw over and over again that really stuck out to me. I mean, this commercial is this girl and she's at a restaurant and she's on a date with a guy that she met online. And the camera, yeah, the camera starts and it's on her And she just kind of pulls out her phone, and she looks at the profile picture of this guy. The guy has, like, long blonde hair, and he's built, like, he's an attractive dude. He's handsome. And then the camera just kind of pans out, and it shows the guy she's on the date with. And he's this scrawny dude that has a blonde wig on. Like, you can see his black hair coming out from under his wig. Um, He looks like he lives with his mom in her basement with 12 cats. Like, he's just really weird looking. And I can just imagine this girl as she's showed up to this restaurant to to go on this date with the guy that she's met online. And She's walking around, looking at the profile picture, like walking around the restaurant trying to find this guy. And they look absolutely nothing alike. And the only reason she would probably find him is if she started asking every guy in the restaurant their name until finally he was the last one. And then she probably wouldn't even want to eat with him. Um, But you see... What she expected to see and what she actually saw were two different things. I In mean, the text tonight that we're going to read, the disciples have the same problem. So what they expect Jesus to be and who he actually is are two different things. Um, so with this idea in mind, let's go ahead and dive into our text. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 32. And spit on him, and flog him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And James and John, the son of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, the other ten disciples For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we see this text start out. Jesus predicts his own death. Uh, He doesn't really pull any punches either. He just straight up tells him what's going to happen, and he doesn't sugarcoat it. And then James and John, so two of the 12 disciples, They come up to him, and they ask this question, and it's a crazy question, and they ask him to sit at his right and left in his glory. So essentially what they're saying is, Jesus, when you're king, when you're reigning, we want to be your number two and number three guys. That's a power play. They're looking for positions of power and authority. It's really crazy because of what Jesus has just predicted I mean, he said that he's going to be spit on. I mean, how many of you guys want to be spit on by anybody? Like, let's, let's be honest. Like, that's nasty, right? That he's going to be mocked. That's never fun. He's going to be whipped and beaten, and then he's going to die. Um, and the question that they ask shows that they, they don't really understand who Jesus is yet. And the reason they don't understand who Jesus is is they were thinking of him as a conquering king. So quick little history lesson here. So the Jewish people, that's Jesus' people, um, where they were in that time, the Roman Empire. You guys learned about the Roman Empire in history class? Maybe if you have a coach, you didn't, because coaches aren't very good teachers. It's okay, my dad's a coach, so I can make fun of coaches. Um, But they were in control. The Roman Empire made the rules and laws. And the Jews were expecting this Messiah, a savior to come in and to drive out the Roman empire, the leaders and the soldiers and make everything like it used to be with the Jewish people in control. You see, Jesus didn't really fit that mold. I mean, the disciples, just like the girl who kept walking around in the commercial looking for her date, but couldn't find him because what she expected to see and what she saw were two different things the disciples and the Jewish people, they didn't get who Jesus was because what they expected their Messiah to be and what he actually was were two different things. And then a little bit later on in the text, um, we see Jesus, he asked James and John if they're going to be able to drink the cup he's going to drink. So what that means is he's asking them, saying, hey, can you experience something like what I've just described I'm going to experience? Can you suffer and die for the sake of the gospel like I'm going to, like I'm going to die and suffer? And they say yes, without hesitation. And it shows they still have no idea who Jesus is and what it means to follow him because it's just like, yep, we can do it. They don't give it a second thought. And what's worse is they ask this question in front of the other 10 disciples. And when it says indignant, that means angry. So like the other disciples were ticked off like everybody was upset. There's this power play. They were seeking um, to have the best seats in the house to be in the VIP section. Um, and it shows that none of them really understand what it means to follow Jesus yet. They still think that following Jesus is going to bring them power and authority. And Jesus, being the loving, compassionate person that he is, sees this as an opportunity to teach them about what it truly means to follow him. And I think sometimes we're the same as the disciples. I mean, we come to church, right? We see movies that kind of talk about Jesus. Maybe we talk about him at home or at school. We read about him a little bit. And we have this idea of who Jesus is in our minds. But sometimes the Jesus of who we think he is and what it means to follow Jesus doesn't always match up with what the word of God teaches us about what it means to follow Jesus. So we're gonna look at a couple of verses that we already read again in a little more more detail. And I want you to think about this, is what these verses teach about what it means to follow Jesus, what you think it means to follow Jesus? And it may be, and that's awesome. But let's look at the word of God and see what it says about what it means to follow Jesus. Starting in Verse 42. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is talking about leaders and leadership here. Can you guys think of some bad leaders? Like I think of Hitler and Joseph Stalin and Genghis Khan, guys that like abuse their power. Or maybe you've been assigned to a group project in school, um, and you've had a person that's been assigned as like the leader of the group, and they rub your face the fact that they were chosen over you. Or maybe you've been on a sports team, and the captain or the leader of the sports team, uh, he doesn't really lead by serving. He makes everybody else do the dirty work. He just kind of kicks his feet up and relaxes. Or maybe you've been competing in something and you've had a, your opponent um, that's beaten you rub your face in the fact that they've beaten you instead of you know, being a good sport. We're going to watch a video here of a guy... Who um, wins the US Open? He's a bowler, and he really rubs his success in the face of his opponent and the people in the stands. So you can go ahead and play that video. So embarrassing when that happens. But the number one, not top ten, is Pete Weber losing his mind. (laughs) And he got it! She's mad. Along with you, that's sure. my love. <laughs> His wife. Right. So that dude is nuts, right? Like, you're a bowler. Come on, man. Like, I mean, you're a professional athlete, and you probably make more money than I ever will, but you're a bowler. Um, and so in the context of this, he's just won the U.S. Open. He's had a fan that's they've been jawing the entire time, uh, and he hits that strike to win it. And he's really rubbing in uh, his victory in the face of his opponent and some of the fans uh, in the stand. You can tell his wife isn't very happy that he's acting that way. Um, but that's what Jesus means when he talks about the Gentile rulers, that they lord their authority over people. They rub their authority in people's face. That They hold it over them. They say, look at me. So the Gentile rulers, they use their authority to bring attention to themselves and to get what they wanted that they manipulated people, um, and they abused their power. And people in that day, just like now, the people with the most power have the most authority. Like we have a president that has the most power in the country, so he has the most authority. And what Jesus teaches in this passage is exactly the opposite. He says, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be a servant, and if you want to be first, you must be a slave of all. He's turning this idea of authority on his head. He's saying, if you want to be first, you have to serve everyone. If you want to be a follower of me, you want to be a leader, you have to serve everyone else. And it's this incredible idea because it goes completely against what the world teaches us. So I live out in the country, out close to Florence, um, off of a county road. Yeah, I live with CP's family. Um, And every week, someone has to take the big green trash cans that we put our trash in down into the driveway for the garbage man to pick them up. So some days as I'm driving to work, I pass the garbage man. And there's one guy, and he's driving the garbage truck, and there's another dude, and he just hangs on the back. And every single driveway, he has to jump off, pick up all the trash cans, dump them in the garbage can, and then hop back on and go to the next house. There are a lot of houses on that road. And that that does not look like a fun job. And one day, it was raining, and I saw him back there. I was like, man, that stinks. Like, that's got to be one of the worst jobs possible. But can you imagine one day, I'm driving to work, and I see the garbage truck approaching me. Uh, And as I get closer, I'm like, man, I kind of recognize the guy on the back of that garbage truck. As he gets closer and closer and closer, he's got a hat on. I'm like, man, that sure looks like the president. And as I get closer, it is the president. It's Donald Trump wearing his Make America Great Again hat and waving and, you know, his hair's all over the place because it's horrible hair. Um, but that would be insane, right, if the president of the United States was working as a garbage man, like the person... And our country with the greatest authority doesn't do the lowest in jobs that no one wants to do. Those jobs are reserved for those that have little to no authority. And what Jesus is saying is exactly the opposite. He's saying, if you follow me and you want to be the greatest, you serve everyone. You lead by example, you serve. And Jesus was the ultimate example of this. Verse 45 says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, the only person in the entire history of the world that deserved to be served, he came to serve. It says he gave his life as a ransom for many. He didn't just come to serve and help people out. He came to die. Like He came to die to serve the world, to forgive the sins of those that would place their faith in him. It's incredible. Like the only person that deserved to be served, the guy who was sinless, that was fully God and fully man, that he chose to do this. So when I was in college, uh, I worked in our nursery some at the church I went to, and I got pretty good at like playing with Play-Doh, making stuff out of Play-Doh, because I worked with four-year-olds, and that's all they wanted to do was make snakes, because that's really entertaining, because it's hard. So I'm going to make something for you guys here, out of Play-Doh, it's going to be great, I haven't played with Play-Doh in a little while, so, it could be interesting, you think we look alike, a little bit, like, no, no, it's me, it's supposed to be a person, <laughs> I mean, it looks, it's probably a better turtle than it is a person, um, but, I mean, it's got two arms, two legs, a torso, and a head, and it's Play-Doh. And, I mean, I had to throw it in there. I didn't have time. Um, but I guess we would all say, right, that I, I created this. I made this thing, this turtle person. I made this, right? I'm the creator, and this is the created. And how crazy would it be if me, the creator, desired, decided to start serving the created? And that makes no sense. But that's exactly what Jesus did, the creator of the universe. He made the stars and the sun and the planets, the heavens and the earth, you and me, the one whose very word keeps everything sustaining that causes the world to turn. He came and served his creation. Philippians tells us that he didn't count equality with God to a thing to be grasped that he humbled himself as a servant. Man, it's incredible. He came to die for his creation, the ultimate act of service. Hebrews tells us that he joyfully suffered and died for us. He didn't have to do it. He wasn't forced to do it. He wasn't obligated to do it. He chose to do it. Don't don't miss this. Don't miss this. If you're you're zoned out, zone in on this. The greatest person in human history died the worst death in human history for you and for me is because of love. The single greatest acts of service was Jesus Christ dying on the cross. So that's why followers of Jesus serve God and serve others. It's not because we have to or it's because we're obligated to or it's the right thing to do. It's out of thankfulness thankfulness that because of what Jesus did for us, now we can joyfully serve God and others because of the freedom he's given us. So Brett's shared several times since I've been here about why he gives his wife Amanda gifts and spends time with her. Uh, It's not because he has to do these things for her to love her. It's because he loves her and she loves him, that he does these things for her. And it's kind of the same with us. Because Jesus loved us and died on the cross, and he still continues to love us, and when we place our faith in him, we love him, we do these things. Our motivation behind it isn't anything but thankfulness and to bring him glory and honor. And when we serve, we don't just serve to do it, we serve with a purpose. We serve to glorify God, and we serve that when we're serving other people, we can share this good news with them as well. So now that we kind of understand the reason we serve in the right way, the biblical way to serve, and our motivation behind it, like, what do we do? Like, okay, serve, what now? So I'm gonna break us up into three camps. So camp One you can't serve correctly until you've surrendered to Jesus. So maybe you're in here tonight and you've spent your entire life trying to be a good person and you're like, you know, God will let me into heaven. Like, I've done a lot of good things. Or maybe, you know, you've never really given it much thought at all. There's absolutely nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. You can sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You can spend your entire life living in Africa, drilling wells for those that don't have water, and you can still go to hell. This is not about what you do, it's about what Jesus did. As we learned at the very beginning of the semester, when we couldn't do anything, Jesus did everything. So if you're here tonight, and you've never placed your faith in Christ, you've never surrendered to him, let's just think about it. He, he suffered and died for you. He loved you so much that he did that. It's incredible. So I, I beg you, just don't wait another second. Place your faith in him tonight. Uh, in camp number two, you've surrendered to Jesus, but you're not serving. So this camp, you know, you come to Collide on Wednesday nights. You maybe come on Sundays too, but that's about it. As a follower of Jesus, you are called to serve God and serve others. And there are plenty of opportunities for you to get involved around here. We have tech team signups where you can learn to run lights, slides, and sound on Wednesday nights a couple times a month. That's not too difficult. We have ministry teams and leadership teams that you can apply and be a part of that help plan events, that's another great way. Uh, You know what would be awesome is if your Bible study life group got together and you talked with your Bible study leader and you said, hey, we want to greet people once or twice a month on Sundays. You know how encouraging that would be for our church family to see a group of students passing out worship guides and talking with guests and members, it would be incredible. Or maybe when you go home, uh, you go up to whoever you live with and you say, hey, how can I help out more around here? And you don't just leave it at that. You say, I want to help out more because Jesus served and died for me. I want to help and I want to serve our family more. You know how encouraged the people you live with would be? by Like, I wish I did that when I was you guys' age. And maybe if you want some more ideas, come talk to your adult leaders, me, Brett, Kat, whoever, and we can give you some more ideas and talk about this. But it's time for some of you guys to step up. And camp number three, you're serving. I'm going to call you to examine your heart and your reason For serving. So, what's your reason behind serving? It's a great opportunity to take a look. Are you serving um, out of a joy for the Lord and thankfulness to what Jesus has done for you? Are you serving to try and maybe earn God's favor? I know I struggle with that. Maybe you're serving to people, please. Maybe you're serving and comparing yourself to others, saying, man, look at so-and-so, look what I'm doing. Maybe you're like the bowler we saw on the screen just a little while ago, and when you're serving, you're comparing yourself to others, and you say, who do you think you are? I am. Get it right. You see, sometimes we can get so caught up in what we're doing that we completely forget why we do what we do as believers and we serve people. So that's my... Call For camp number three, is if you're serving, examine your heart tonight and what are your motives behind that? So the band's going to come forward now. Um, we're going to have a little time of response. So if you, you fell into camp one and, and you've never placed your faith in Christ, I mean, the only person in human history that deserved to be served by everyone served you by dying in your place on the cross because he loved you. See his love for you. I mean, there's no greater love displayed than his. Please, as this time of response starts, come to the back and talk with one of our adult leaders or me. We would love to talk with you about this. Or maybe if you fell into Camp 2 or Camp 3, Uh, Spend some time praying and confessing your sin to the Lord. Say, Lord, I I need to step up. I'm sorry I haven't. Or, Lord, like my um, conviction and the reason, my motivation behind I'm serving, it hasn't been in line with your word. So I'm going to be at the back, Brett, Lisa, Kat. Our adult leaders are going to be as well. Um, And we're here to talk with you guys about whatever you need to talk about and whatever is going on in life. Uh, so let's pray and then we'll we'll stand and worship